0: Welcome to the Risk and Repeat Podcast, episode number 120. I'm Rob Wright, editor of Search Security, and I am here once again with my site editor, Peter Lotion. Peter, good to see you.
1: Hi, Rob. Good to have you back.
0: It is good to be back. I was out last week, and I was at Black Hat the week before, Uh, so I've been away from the office. We didn't do our normally uh, regularly scheduled uh, podcast last week, so we're making up for lost time. Uh, yes, Black Hat. I'm back. I survived it. I was not at DEF CON, so I didn't have any strange people, like hotel people, just like breaking into my hotel room or or opening my uh, breaking in opening my ho- hotel room and going through my stuff or confiscating my stuff without you know any sort of warning or approval or authorization.
1: But did you have your do not disturb sign out for 48 hours?
0: Uh, listen, I don't think that that, I mean, lots of people do that. I mean, I've been to bachelor parties in Las Vegas, so I don't, you know, I mean, come on, that should not be a, a sort of an indicator of potential, uh, malicious activity. So anyway, that's just me. Um, but speaking of, of black hat, I and mean, there was, there was a lot that happened at the show. Um, I think we, we, you know, given the time and given that I was off last week, uh, you don't really need to do a proper. We kind of missed the window for a proper sort of recap, but I did want to talk about one of the more interesting topics from that show, uh, that was sort of the the centerpiece of um, a couple sessions and was also featured in, in some other stuff um, at Black Hat as well, because there was there was a lot going on about Meltdown Inspector. I mean, there's been a lot going on with Meltdown Inspector all year. But there were a couple panels and, and some stuff there at the show that really, I thought, sort of uh, brought new dimensions to the discussion. And I thought it would be fun to sit down and go through this with you because there were some revelations. There, there, were, some, there were some developments that I don't think I or the, or the public was, was entirely aware of um, and also some some little details and, and some new light I guess being shed on this stuff that I, I think is worth sort of debating and discussion uh, and discussing. So I kind of thought of this as being like you know twenty questions. It'll be more like ten, but twenty questions for uh, Meltdown Inspector. Maybe that could be the the title of the podcast. No. Sure. <laughs> Why not? Turn it into a game show. Uh, so I oh, love it. So, you, you know, I, I mean, you were back here. I, I was at the show. There was the panel uh, the, on, on the first day of the briefings at Black Hat, uh, Behind the Speculative Curtain, the true story of fighting Meltdown inspector with representatives from Google and Microsoft and Red Hat. Uh, it was a panel moderated by Art Mannion of uh, Carnegie Mellon's uh, CERT Coordination Center. So there was some new stuff there that I had not heard before. And the biggest thing was that Google itself, the Google security response team, Google Corporate, was not informed of this vulnerability until mid-July. And we knew that already. This is something that was written about uh, a while back, you know, in in early January after vulnerabilities came out. I think Wired and The Verge both had articles on this that said, said, yeah, Google found out uh, proper you know, sometime in in July, it was never really explained why there was that lag because the Project Zero guys remember they found out on June or they disclosed this with the other researchers, the university researchers, uh, Paul Coker. I think on June June first, so you're talking about 45 days. Hmm. I mean, that seemed like a long time. But so, the the guy from Google. Matt Linton, senior security engineer and uh, Google's incident response uh, uh, chaos specialist is what he called himself for uh, Google's incident response uh, team. He talked about how, uh, for whatever reason, despite the fact that when Jan Horn from Project Zero, when they sent the email to the chip makers and he said, by the way, we haven't informed Google yet. You need to inform Google proper." you know, it, the ball is in your court, please do this. They, the chip makers didn't do that until mid-July. Wow. That surprised me. And I don't know, should I be surprised by that? It reflects poorly
1: on the chip makers who were Apparently supposed to didn't, be yeah, didn't in charge email. of yeah. I mean, they may have assumed that Google Project Zero is plugged into Google a proper but I think I mean wh- what's interesting to me is that it, it seems like Google Project Zero was following the rules yeah and the chip makers who were supposed to be notifying all interested parties were maybe assuming that other people were not following the rules or making assumptions
0: I mean it did kind of feel like that yeah I mean I at first I said well Man, they they weren't reading the email closely, and then I said, "No, they probably had several people who read this closely." And there's three different chip makers, primary chip makers here: ARM, AMD, and Intel, and they all kind of made the same oversight. It, it feels more like they probably said, "Of course," and and Linton joked about this. He said, well, of course they probably already know, you know, we don't need to inform them. And I, I think he was joking, but I also think that there may be, may have been a kernel, uh, no pun intended of truth to that, that maybe they were just like, yeah, we know that Google says they don't know, but they know. I hate, I hate to be the cynic, but that's, that's what I thought about. That was my secondary reaction to that. Mm. But you're right. I mean, doesn't that speak to Google being serious about what project zero does and and really f- being careful with disclosure and and following the guidelines even when it affects them. I mean that was that was surprising to me, I guess. Should I not be surprised that Google was following the rules or that other people weren't? No, that Google was 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 that they
1: they seem pretty serious about yeah. about this stuff. I mean, they've got a they, They've got a big piece of their of their brand is involved in here. So Sure. sure. If they're if they're going to play fast and loose, it's not a good look. I mean, we've seen other companies play fast and loose, and we don't like it when they no, do.
0: No, 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 no. Not
1: going to go into any details no. or names, but I mean, there's stuff
0: happening this week. We should we should say we're recording this on uh, Monday, August twentieth. Um, not our usual Friday recording here in Chernobyl, but here on a Monday. Yeah, there's stuff happening in the news once again with this this kind of. You know, sort of disclosure and, and or non-disclosure or lack of disclosure. I guess is probably the better term. Um, going a bit further with the disclosure stuff, mm. another part of the discussion I, I found was interesting was it seemed like all the members of the the panel in this uh, in this session, and it was it was Linton, uh, Eric Doerr, uh, general manager of the Microsoft Se- Security Response Center, and then Christopher Robinson, uh, principal program manager and team leader of uh, Red Hat Product Security Assurance. They were the the three, and then Art Manion was, was moderating the panel. They all kind of seemed like they they said, yeah, we would have liked to have informed more people. We felt like more people should have been included in the group, And and, and Robinson said, you know, we weren't informed until we, uh, until uh, November, I think they said the end of November, like November 29th or 30th. Were you, I, I guess, does that surprise you that, they, that we're, they were, they wanted to sort of expand that sphere? Like they wanted more people to be involved?
1: Well, wasn't didn't one of the panelists say something to the effect of uh, we wanted to include everybody who could contribute?
0: Yes. Yeah. That cuz a lot of people potentially.
1: We did I mean we did post a a, a nice article by
0: yeah, your, you.
1: yourself. Very yeah. good work on that one. Uh which really laid out all the all, all the details and, all, and and a lot of the the interesting stuff that happened, but but yeah, I I think there's always going to be um when you have a situation like this, you've got, uh, you know, you've got people on, you know, or, or you've got the goal on one side is to keep every keep it quiet, to keep it secure and under wraps before you, you know, don't you don't want the the disclosure to get out before you're ready for it. Yeah. On the other hand, you do want everybody that's that's relevant to that process to be informed of it. Yeah. I mean, you, you wouldn't you would rather not have people showing up, you know in the aftermath saying, you know, I had, I, I, I found this myself and I wasn't sure what to do with it. And I started working on it. And if I'd only known, then there might've been some different outcome. You know, if I, if only I had been involved in that process as well. Um, and it's really easy to play Monday morning quarterback. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think, I think there's a tendency to, you know, on one side, I would imagine, I mean, purely speculative on my part because I don't really know any of the details of the individuals but my inclination would be that if you're if you're coming from the hardware manufacturing side you'd want to keep everything lo- t- locked down tight and if you're coming from an open source software side you'd be more inclined to include more people. Um,
0: Possibly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it was Robinson by the way. Okay, said. yeah. This and yeah, I- he said something interesting too. He said that he had to to sort of push pretty hard. Th- there was ultimately groups or parties that they wanted included in the pre-disclosure process, uh, you know, that um, part of the response effort to mitigate this stuff prior to public disclosure. And then ultimately that it was the chip makers call collective call mm. to figure that out and make a ruling on it. Cause they owned the vul- It was their vulnerabilities and they got to decide this and so they may have argued or pushed for more people being included but it's ultimately up to them but robinson said that there were members of the, the open source community that were not allowed in and i thought that was that was strange and and red hat sort of being left out of the picture so initially it was it was google microsoft the chip makers and then other stakeholders which we're going to get to in a second uh, Red Hat, obviously not nearly as huge as Windows or Google Chrome in terms of OS, but I mean, they're pretty important in terms of the Linux community, the open source community, and this obviously affects that. And I, I thought, wow, that seemed kind of late in the game to be looping these guys into the process. Um, and I got the, the I got the sense that Robson felt the same way on the panel. Um, so here's another question. So according to the panel, it wasn't until late October that representatives from Google, Microsoft, uh, Intel, ARM, AMD, and then I guess some other stakeholders, we don't know who they were, it wasn't until late October that they actually got into a room and met face to face. Like the people working on this stuff, not the suits, people working on this stuff. Um, not the lawyers the actual you know researchers response you know effort that seemed a little late to me because remember this this is disclosed to the chip makers in june am i am i is that
1: well october from from june to october is how many we're talking like
0: june july days august so. that's 90 days
1: oh right and then september,
0: september october that's another 60 days it was the end of october that they finally oh ah,
1: so it's 150 days. Or, yeah, that's about right.
0: That seemed
1: it well, but at the same time these are y- you got to f- you got to remember that that there's all these procedures in all of these different companies and they're all u- unique mm. obviously, but you know any any big company like Google, Microsoft, Intel, AMD, they they got they got the lawyers up the wazoo. Yeah. If I can say that.
0: Yeah, you can say wazoo. Okay, so <laughs> right—that's acceptable slang. All right. Just uh, if it's not, minute. someone's going to let us know. <laughs> the podcast will just get nuked one day. <laughs> we won't know what's going on. What happened to that great meltdown <laughs> inspector discussion we had? <laughs> Sorry, tech well, target corporate. Yeah, but swooped in. And
1: uh, who knows? It could be some other corporate division. But
0: yeah, but there's always a lawyer
1: behind every door. There is. There is, and I, they alluded
0: to that on the panel. Yeah, they, they said yeah.
1: So. It doesn't surprise me that it took five months for the, for the lawyers to allow it to happen, because um, it's all it's all intellectual property and, and yeah, and, uh, you know, private knowledge and s- trade secrets and everything. And the lawyers have to you know they want to make sure that the company's protected.
0: I guess I shouldn't be surprised the way you're describing it. It was just, and maybe I'm having sort of. Maybe I have the uh, burden of knowledge here, because one of the things, probably the biggest theme, I think, that came out of that session with Microsoft, Google, and Red Hat, was they said that meeting and all the resulting discussions that took place after that point, like that meeting was a turning point. They wanted to really... Work together with their peers in, the in you know in the OS or hardware or whatever, and come up with a solution here. And they feel like ever since then, they can communicate to, with one another. You know, Red Hat can talk to Microsoft, and Microsoft can talk to Google, and vice versa. And they've been able to respond to the to the um, meltdown inspector variants and the new de- new developments around speculative. Execution and, and, and sort of address them better and when there's a bad patch or whatever, they can do that. Um, and you think to yourself, I think to myself, wow, if they were able to, to change, fundamentally change the way that they go about working on things like this, so much for the better after that point, after realizing what it can do for them, I, then I sit there and I say, Well, you should have done it sooner. I mean, it just just seems like a no-brainer to me. I'm glad they know that now, and I'm glad that they are aware of it, and they they feel like they can. Like, there's more of an open door to go to your competitors. I mean, one of the things that was brought out in that article was, and I'm trying to remember who the gentleman was, but there was the – I think it was the gentleman at Google who came up with, like, the – there was a fix and and he developed it at google for google but was you know said hey microsoft here you know hey open source community here you go and that's I, and and the microsoft guy uh, uh Dor was saying you know who does that 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 was really you know that was a really important sort of gesture um to share that mitigation stuff with your your competition so um i just wish yeah, they had done it sooner. I think that's the, the one of the big important takeaways
1: from the whole episode, and from certainly from the from the session, um, which really came through in, in your article as well. Uh, it was really obvious that that the, if the status quo of lining up behind the lawyers first before you before anything can be done outside of the organization, if that kind of of attitude uh, remains, we're we're going to be in trouble because, because yeah. the action, the action has to be to defend the systems and the users and the customers and the consumers before uh, yeah. you know worrying about whether whether somebody has signed a, an NDA or whether somebody is potentially uh, I don't e- I don't even know what you know like I can't even imagine what would take the lawyers five months to to, to uh, to figure out how to how to make the meeting between the different organizations happen, but I think it's important. I would, think that's key.
0: Would yeah. you like to know my theory please we we'll, will we'll wrap up this segment of the of the podcast. maybe We'll split this in two because this is, <laughs> <laughs> no i I think I get the sense, and no one's sa- no one has said this on the record. no one has said this in panels or anything. It seems like there were forces at work. That did not want to ever make that happen. Like those meetings. Like it wasn't just like we need we need to check boxes. It was it was like Stonewall. Like we don't want this to happen. Oh, it's bad. We don't. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm. It is. It's it, like exactly I was, what you said. You were going to say it's bad precedent. It, 'Cause if it happened
1: once it could happen again.
0: Yeah. So and and then you think about like the leaks that happened. Leak, leaks, whatever, you know, this stuff starts to trickle out into the press. I mean, I that was gonna happen either way. Like too much was going on. When when all these companies start testing like patches and change the change they're changing the way that they do memory
1: and it's hitting the code bases
0: especially right. the open source. Yeah. Exactly. See, people are going to start to ask questions, people are going to hear things and it's not it's not someone in the know in the in crowd who's doing this who's who's like I'm going to stick it to the chip makers, I'm going to throw this out to, you know, the register or whoever. But you do wonder like well, is this going to sort of open up avenues of information sort of exchange and and potentially you know competitive you you don't know so i i I think that that's my hunch that that was never that was something they never wanted certain companies and i I don't know who i really don't. don't i don't know if it was the chip makers i don't know if it was the os guys i don't know if it was both i don't know if it was one from one side and one from the other or multiple i i haven't heard anything but that's the impression that i've gotten discussing this with people um i think we should we should probably wrap this segment up on the, the disclosure aspect and move to the to the next one. Make it its own sure. podcast. That sounds good. I, I think we'll do that. See, we we've we're, we're surprising ourselves, you know, with this discussion, who knew that there would be this much more to discuss about Meltdown Inspector? But apparently, there is. Um, Peter, I guess. Tune yeah. in next week. Yeah, for the rest. <laughs> to- <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Well, Peter, thank you for indulging me in this first part of the Meltdown and uh, Spectre discussion.
1: Always happy to be here.
0: And thank you to the readers and listeners for tuning in. I'm Rob Wright, and we'll see you next time.